guys, Alexa Curtis here, and you're listening to This Is Life Unfiltered. This is my weekly podcast on being fearless, entrepreneurship, and getting out of your comfort zone. So if you're not following the podcast on social media, make sure to follow This Is Life Unfiltered at at T-I-L-U podcast, as well as my personal social media, which is at Alexa underscore Curtis. And as of right now, to reiterate, the Be Fearless Summit is not canceled. I don't have any plans to cancel this unless the school is completely shut down through April 1st. But if you want to stay up to date with any potential cancellations, you can do so directly on the Be Fearless Summit Instagram and the website. So a few weeks ago, I came across an amazing nonprofit, and I was really fascinated by it because not only is the founder such a badass, but this is a a nonprofit and a company that's doing so much good in the world. So I'm so excited to have Dana Marlowe here. She is the founder of I Support the Girls. And after a shopping trip back in 2015, I believe, she decided to start some type of organization that would help women across the world with bras who were in need and maxi pads. And she's here today from DC to talk with us. So Dana, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Alexa. I'm excited. I want you to take us back to that first shopping trip. What was that experience like for you? Because that's when this started. Totally. So it was a very hot, humid DC day. And my husband that morning said, Dana, I know you've lost a lot of weight in the last year and you're not going shopping for new clothes because I'm really a fashion train wreck. Um, And it's true. But you know what? You need to go shopping for new bras because they're not fitting you and supporting you in any of the way that bras are supposed to. And I am somebody who chooses to wear a bra and needs a bra um, for comfort. And so I went out that day, went to my local mall, went into my Soma, got fitted for bras. And while I was there, I asked the sales associate helping me out, what could I do with my perfectly good used bras that no longer fit me. And she said four words, and basically those four words changed my journey. What were the four words? She said to me, as I'm basically half naked in a dressing room, homeless women need bras. Mm, Interesting. And when you heard those words, was your first thought, okay, I need to start a nonprofit? Or were you like, I'm just going to go into the most local homeless shelter and donate this one bra? Neither. It wasn't even that it wasn't even that bold. It was like, huh, I didn't know that. And there's so many times in life, I think all of us get these little tiny moments where a light bulb goes on. It's that light bulb moment. It's that aha. It's that, well, I'm somebody who donates my clothing, books. I mean, I donated my wedding dress the week after my wedding. I'm not somebody who's sentimental and holding on to stuff. I donate my kids stuff too. Like I just never thought about bras. I wasn't opening up that top drawer and taking the bras that are in the back and putting them in with my other clothing donation items. Mm -hmm. And so I wound up calling a shelter once I got home and in DC and said, I just learned this. I don't know if this is true, but do you want my perfectly good, clean used bras? And he said, yeah, how soon can you get them here? And I didn't know that. And I said, I don't know what I don't know. What else do you guys need? And he said, maxi pads, if you're willing, uh, overnight with wings or tampons. And that was the first time that I had thought what it must be like to be a person with a period without access to menstrual hygiene Mm -hmm. products living on the streets or in shelters. 
you know, since 2015, which is when you started I Support the Girls, there's been a plethora of startups that have come out with a lot of different organic tampons and, and pads and stuff like that. But I, I don't know that any of them are nonprofits or equally give back as good as they're giving back to the environment. The There are many out there that we partner with that donate supplies, um, that donate by the thousands and thousands, because we're no longer talking about my 16 bras and a couple packages from my local pharmacy of extra pads that I picked up that day. We're talking about a much larger quantity. And so we partner with a lot of um, menstrual hygiene manufacturers, feminine care manufacturers, bra, lingerie, lingerie, underwear, undergarment manufacturers, and one of them is Lola, and they make organic pads, liners, tampons, and other products. Yeah. And they donate, they literally donate by the millions with us. Wow, so, okay, that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah, and, and is that one of the only brands you work with that do that, or are there hundreds that you work with? I, I would love to say we are at a spot where there's hundreds of organic menstrual hygiene product companies out there for people in the marketplace to purchase. I don't, I don't know of that many. We do work with a lot of different companies. It is a very big list and we have our partners up on our website that folks could take a look at isupportthegirls.org mm -hmm. and you could check out more partners there. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on that note. So after this shopping trip and then your bra that you donated, what happened next? Because I've had a few other founders of nonprofits on This Is Life Unfiltered and it is not an easy thing to start or pursue. It's not. It's not. Um, it's not just me. So for anybody out there who's thinking, I have this really great idea, but I don't know how to launch it, or uh, whether it's for a nonprofit or an NGO on that side, or for a for-profit company, either way, the magic behind I Support the Girls is not me and my little funny little bra story in a shopping mall. It's rather the fact that I'm just incredibly fortunate and lucky to have an insanely talented pool of friends and family members in my social network. And when I realized after the first donation to that same homeless shelter that I was on the phone with in 2015, and we had donated over a thousand bras and over 7,000 menstrual hygiene products, media started calling and they were very kind and generous about this. But I realized that the story is not about me. A privileged mom in the suburbs, right? The story is about people in need, whether we're talking about Crystal who had one bra and she was wearing her one bra for nine years um, and it was no longer providing her the kind of support or comfort, but she wasn't willing to let it go. Or several women that I've met that are using old cracked leather belts to keep their breasts up just to provide a little bit of that support and for their back and their shoulders. Or for people who have said, oh my gosh, on the menstrual side, on periods, they're using ripped up cardboard, they're using the insides of mattresses, they're using banana leaves, they're using um, ripped up t-shirts to manage their menstrual flow. And that wasn't okay with me, but it also wasn't okay with my really smart friends. And I said, guys, this is much bigger than me. How can we launch this? How can we make this bigger? Because this is scalable and replicable. And those are two things that I look for if I'm gonna spend my time to do something. And so it was bigger than Washington, DC, because the emails that I had were from teenagers in need in Chicago and women in need on the border of Texas and people in need 
in Melbourne, Australia. And so they were everywhere. And the people who wanted to give back were individual donors in Washington State or Silver Lake, California. They were everywhere. And all we had to do was basically bridge the gap and marry these two groups of people who wanted to do good, who wanted to give back either individually or host a collection or a drive at their company or their girls' night out or whatnot, with all of these organizations, the homeless shelters, the refugee agencies, the LGBTQ organizations, helping people in need who need these products. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't just me, it was people smarter than me, and we figured out how to amplify the message and have greater impact. That's really incredible. A few of the stories you mentioned, are all of those women based in the US? Was this third world countries? Where is the highest percentage of women who need this product? Um, the women the women that we've met have actually been, the stories that I just shared um, have been local stories to me in, in DC, in New York, in Chicago. These are US-based stories of women. I've met women in LA. I've also met women in need in Mexico, in Costa Rica, in Israel. Um, and the stories that we're hearing, though, are global. So it's not just developing nations or third world countries. It's these are women and girls and folks in need everywhere. Mm -hmm. Do you have any statistics potentially that you, yeah, okay. Um, I, I don't either. But if you have any after this podcast, I would love to know because I think that that there's got to be an insane amount of women out there who there, don't have access. There are so many. There, There is sadly so many women and girls in need everywhere. And the populations of people that we help range from, as I mentioned, yes, women and girls and folks in need experiencing homelessness, but it's also those in our correctional facilities and um, transitional programs, those in foster care transitioning out of foster care who don't have access to products, it's migrant farm workers, it's people in the bush country out in Australia, it's women outside of Islamabad that we're helping, um, it's, it's various um, First Nation populations. So it's really vast mm -hmm. because the thing about periods is they don't care who you are. Um, they're just going to keep coming. On flow, isn't that what they call it? They do. Yeah. You know, as a founder who has such an immense amount of responsibility now to provide this amount of support to these women, how do you personally separate from so much of maybe the pain that you might see other people suffering with without it becoming too traumatizing for you so that you can focus on still continually building this company? I have to say that's the first time anybody has asked me that question. So um, I have a lot of personal things that bring me joy and happiness, right? I feel like it's almost cliche to be like my family and my kids. Um, but I get a lot of enjoyment watching, uh, you know, my my son's basketball game or going to their school for, you know, world dress up day. Um, but I also have a lot of my own personal activities. So I like early morning dance raves for starters. Have you been to Daybreaker? <laughs> Many yes. times. Yes. Okay. Yes. For years. Yeah. Big fan of Daybreaker. Um, I like going to a lot of live music, concerts, festivals, live music's my jam. I'm very oddly, very specific about the kind of music I want. 
And I, I love it. It makes me, fills me with a lot of happiness. I'm intrigued by what you said that no one has asked you that before in a good way or could more people ask you that? I think a lot of, I think more people could ask me that. I, I really enjoy when people are creative with their questions, um, either from an entrepreneurial tract or from a social impact. Um, and so there's, I mean, I have a lot of other interests. I also have a full-time day job that's not this. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and tell us about that. Cause I was going to bring us in now into more of the business conversation. Where did you go to college and how has that impacted you starting? I support the girls. Okay. So I went, I did my undergrad in Rochester, New York at RIT, Rochester Institute of Technology. Um, and I went to graduate school at university of Texas at Austin. Welcome. And, but for the last 25 years, now your audience is like, oh, this woman's old. Um, I've been focused pretty heavily on accessibility and disability rights. And so I have a company that's called Accessibility Partners that is 11 years old, and we work to make technology accessible for people with disabilities. And by doing so, we practice what we preach. So 85% of our employees and our team are people with disabilities. And that's the company that you run full time. Yes. Wow. So it's, it's your company, though. Yes. So you're running two companies. Yes. How do you balance that? Um, the, the beauty of podcasts is you guys can't see how many gray hairs I have. Well, you have a few years on me, Dana. So, Everyone has great hair. <laughs> um, I don't know. I They both bring me a lot of joy, um, and they both stimulate different parts of my brain, my desire to have a positive impact, and to be able to also provide a platform for others to be able to support their community and so they both do that in very different ways obviously so accessibility partners is for profit and so regardless of us having hiring people with disabilities or that we're working with large corporations or u.s government agencies to make their their websites their mobile apps their computers usable by people who are deaf or blind or with a mobility disability that stimulates a part of my brain that I really like from one side. Um, and I support the girls, provides a different creative outlet and other um, areas that I want to improve on. I always like asking entrepreneurs if you felt from a child that you had dreams of being an entrepreneur or did this evolve as you had these ideas? Because I'm assuming I support the girls started after your other company. Yes. So Accessibility Partners is 11 years old. I have another really small sign language interpreting consulting firm that's even older than that. That's 20 years old. And then I support the girls as four and a half years old. So no, I didn't have these like grandiose ideations of being an entrepreneur. But when you look back at my history, I know that when I was, I was the, the founder and president in my high school of, we had a crafts club, right? There was no art club. There was no way to convene. There was an incredible art program in my high school, but it stopped when the bell rung and school was closed for the day. But there were so many great clubs. Why not put together a club where those of us who liked arts and crafts sounds so campy, um, it was weaving, it was basketry making, it was clothing making, it was textiles, it was bigger than putting beads on a safety pin. 
And so I started that and I started selling, even before that I was selling the beads that I was making. Again, this is a different time. So we were like selling little, little Fimo necklaces and, um, and other kind of kitschy items. Um, but I was making money that way. And I was also one of those kids who was like tutoring others to make some money and babysitting and... So a little bit of an entrepreneur. I guess, but I never thought of it that way. Questions is if there's more coming, can we get jeans and shoes, not just bras and pads? Oh yeah, my basement has been so full of the most random items through the years. So we do collect and donate other products. Um, usually they're partnerships with large manufacturers. So we just got an offer for 415,000 um, high-end Korean face masks, lotions, um, face creams and cleansers. So while it's not something we normally do, we certainly can take a lot of those products. Again, we're talking over 400,000 of them and distribute them through our same channels. So when we realized that, as I said, this was scalable and replicable, it had to be bigger than me in DC. And this was no longer Dana's bra project. So it needed a cutesier name. So that's where we called it support the girls um, with the double entendre. And we do receive lots of other product. Um, we just got hundreds of brand new leggings. We've received thousands and thousands of new clothing items. We just got 11,000 um, swimsuits from Somersault, brand new swimsuits. So we're targeting the swimsuits to go to programs that help marginalize teen, uh, teens that identify as girls in need. Um, in mostly warmer climates of the U.S. because that's where the bathing suits are. Um, but we also help um, trans folks because we realize that um, not all women have periods and not all people who have periods are women. So we helped um, trans boys, trans men, non-binary individuals, providing them with um, safe binders, um, period underwear, and other products like that. But we try to keep the donations kind of in line with our mission. Are there certain chapters, like country, are there chapters where people can get involved? I mean, how did you scale this? So when I realized that it was bigger than Dana in D.C., we created a, a platform and built out what we call the affiliate, the I Support the Girls Affiliate Network. And so that for people in need, there's definitely a series of hoops to jump through to be able to um, become an affiliate director versus just somebody hosting a donation drive. Mm -hmm. And we have a national director of affiliate outreach who supports and onboards potential and then new existing affiliates in their journey. And we currently have 58 affiliates from I Support the Girls Dallas to I Support the Girls Chicago to I Support the Girls Pakistan and I Support the Girls the Philippines and so on. There's 58. So it's no longer just me in my basement and some local friends in the DC metro region. And we've donated, I think we're at 7.6 million products donated in four and a half years. That is absolutely incredible. If it comes to someone listening and they're wondering, how do they become perhaps one of the girls that you give attention to? What is this, the level of in need? What, what is your criteria for a girl who is deserving of underwear or swimsuit, whatnot? So it's a great question. We, we actually don't do a lot of individual donation because vetting individuals is a much harder 
um, journey and we're not qualified to do that. So what we are able to do is vet the social service organizations. So those are the agencies that are providing other wraparound services, whether they're homeless shelters and providing food or laundry or, or uh, safe places to sleep or um, the refugee agencies, organizations that help victims of human trafficking, sex trafficking, domestic violence shelters, asylee agencies, the low-income schools, et cetera. We're vetting those organizations so that they meet our criterion and we're distributing to those agencies. And then so if somebody is in need, if somebody listening is like, gosh, I, I really, really could use some new bras, we would have to point you into the one where over more than 1,600 vetted social service agencies that we have donated to. So there's no way to know that if, if an agency is going to still have product, we may not have donated there in 10 months or something. But that is how people then receive our product is through large organizations that provide wraparound services. As a nonprofit founder, even though you have your other company that you've had for longer, how, how do you advise someone to start their own nonprofit? What are the main key steps you should focus on? And then additionally, how do you even make profit off of this? Because you have so much amazing product, but does every nonprofit make money? So again, our secret sauce is in the fact that this was missing in the marketplace at the time in July of 2015, people really weren't donating bras or menstrual hygiene products. Now there are other organizations, but when I did my research and I, I did a competitive analysis, well, I do one every year, but the originally that's something that I would say to do for somebody listening is look at your landscape in your community in your city, state, nation, whatever it is you're assessing, and see what already exists, what's similar. So do you need to reinvent the wheel is my very first thing that people told me because I didn't have any intention of starting a nonprofit, right? My hands were full, right? So this, is, this wasn't my plan, but sometimes if you see that there's an injustice in the world, if you see that there's inequity, in whatever it is, and you have a solution, whether it's a long-term or even more of a short-term solution, because I'd love it if we were put out of business. I would love this to be very short-term. It kind of is incumbent upon all of us to give it their best shot. And so if somebody out there is looking at starting a nonprofit, look to see what currently exists and if nothing exists in your space, do your due diligence, do your research, and then bring together your, your cadre of really smart folks, your team, who have different skills than you. And so when I started this for I Support the Girls, I brought together folks who knew nonprofit management, who new marketing, communications, public relations, statistics, economics, scalability, um, all of these different areas stronger than I have expertise in. And so I would encourage folks to do that. And as far as the, the other piece of how do you make money, it's a combination of Individual, kind and generous individual donors. I mean, I opened up a, an envelope this week with a lovely note from a young girl um, in Minnesota, and she donated a dollar. 
Um, we have we have people who do lemonade stands, right? Every dollar counts. Everything is saved um, and allocated in a very special, meaningful way. But we also have foundational support. We have grants, and then we also work with corporations. Um, I mentioned I'm going back to Soma, where I got this initial idea, and they've also been a huge um, supporter in ours in a lot of different ways, both from leveraging the impact and awareness about who we are and what we do, but they've also supported us. It's precious that you say the girl who sent you one dollar because there's these big founders out there and they completely lose sight of the mission because it's now become the money and the fame and the success. And and as a founder, there's such a crucial part where you have to remember this is why you started. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, I also make it a point to get out there in our warehouses. We have warehouses around the country that are um, receiving large donations of bras, of underwear, of menstrual products, et cetera. And by the tens of thousands, by like large tractor trailers showing up and backing up and donating 26 pallets with 90,000 products, that kind of quantity. And I get out there and I do these donations um, as often as my schedule permits, which is not as often as I would like. Um, because I think it's so critical for myself as well as our team to know exactly why we're doing this and to interface with the people receiving the products. These companies that are donating, is this just like defunct product? Is it product that they're choosing? Like we just have 200,000 bras that are so pretty, let's give them to I support the girls. How, how are you getting this amount of product? Um, I think it really depends on who the company is and, and what their missions are to give back and how they have, what kind of product they have available. Sometimes it's as simple as it's samples, right? And But it may be thousands and thousands of samples, right? Because for product designers of material items, right, they're samples and, you know, they have to determine to maybe... They didn't want periwinkle blue, they wanted aqua. And the thread that they thought they picked didn't come out exactly how they envisioned it. But the product, the bra is brand new and it's still perfectly good. It's just not what they wanted to scale it to for large scale market kind of thing. And so we'll take those. We are happy to receive those. We're happy to receive returns. We're happy to receive um, a product that's no longer being resold. Um, so for companies that are like, you know what, we're no longer selling these products, um, but we, they're, they're all perfectly good, right? The bra is not about to expire, so, but we're no longer selling them. We're grateful to receive those. We're grateful to receive brand new product. Notori donates brand new product to us um, regularly. Um, Third Love just, we just received love 96. Love. Yeah. You love Third Love? They, they um, you'll have to check out our 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 Insta story, because they just donated last week, ninety, I think it was 96,000 new bras oh to our, um, our Maryland warehouse. Um, today, um, I know viewers can't, can't see what I'm gesturing, but um, today in our Indianapolis warehouse, we just received um, another truck full of Third Love product, and I think next week Denver is receiving product. So we do receive a lot of product and then it's also incumbent upon us we have waiting lists and waiting lists sadly of existing vetted social service agencies and then new potential partner organizations that want product that we then have to reach out to and say okay we have product we're setting up these times for you to come pick up or we're delivering on these days you know how can we help 
And so it's a combination. When you say social service, does that mean, say, like DCFS or schools or banks? So the social service agencies are um, like the homeless shelters, the domestic violence shelters, the um, LGBTQ organizations, the low-income public schools. Um, it's the typically nonprofits or faith-based charities that are helping the homeless, the low-income, the marginalized individuals in need. Dana, you must love doing this, but you just you did just mention um, that if it were to like it were to end, you would hope you would get like it, it would end or something like that. Can you clarify that? Yeah, I, sure. I mean, I would love, and I think a lot of nonprofit CEOs would be on 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 my train to say, I would love to be put out of business. Mm -hmm. I would love it if for. Every person who wanted to wear a bra, so that's for, or receive a new bra, or have access to menstrual hygiene products, that they had that full access. Because on the menstrual equity side of the house, if, if there's more legislation passed on a national, or in this way, it's probably going to be state-based, um, right? So if for the 20 plus states that still need to pass legislation to be able to provide free access to menstrual hygiene products, that's pads, that's tampons, that's liners, to schools, to homeless shelters, to correctional facilities, to public spaces. So that's as, it's as easy to get a pad when you need it as it is toilet paper. Until that happens, I'm still in business. But boy, would I love it if every state was like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna prioritize. We have a million different priorities pulling at us, but boy, we're going to prioritize um, menstruators in need and get these products to them. And so, yeah, I mean, again, I, I accidentally founded this, what is now a global NGO, but it was never my intention. And so I didn't have very clear intention like I did with Accessibility Partners, right, which is, again, a for-profit corporation. And so... I would love to be put out of business for I Support the Girls because that means everybody's needs are being met month after month, year after year. As someone who's not only in the nonprofit space, but in the business space and in the space of the government in a sense, what is one thing that you wish could be changed right now? Or is it simply just that every girl, not simply, has a bra or a pad? Like, yeah, why is a worldwide yeah. issue that needs it's, attention? It's bigger than that. My one thought would be much bigger than getting every person who needs a bra or a tampon a bra or a tampon. It would be to demand equity across the board, full stop. Okay. Good answer. Worthy of a second pause, a few second pause. The beauty is you can edit that out. Of, no, oh my gosh, I'll keep it in. It was like <laughs> I got to meditate for a second. Dana, what is your end goal? So you run multiple different companies, so you would be classified as a serial entrepreneur now. But <laughs> I remember in junior high, middle school, when we were looking at like different tracks you could take for high school. And one of my teachers was like, okay, well, what are you thinking? Like, because Lord knows it wasn't going to be anything with math. And I just remember, like, my one end goal at 12 was the same end goal for me where I am now. And that was to be happy. So that doesn't change. It doesn't put any end stop on my company or my nonprofit. 
I just have to be happy, which doesn't mean that every single hour of every single day is going to be joyous because I'm also a realist. But overall, I need to be happy more than content. I want to know that I'm doing my best in this world, right? Because our lives are so short that you have to make bold decisions sometimes. You also have to live safely and securely, ideally, which is a privileged notion. But regardless of where you are, you can be happy. You have control over that if you're able to do so. And do you find that now that you are, even though it's not every, it might not be every hour of the day, are you overall happy? Totally. That's awesome. Totally. Check out I Support the Girls. Um, and you can find us on Instagram at literally the letter I support the girls, plural. We're on Twitter. We love it if you wanted to check us out on Twitter because it's like basically like me and like my mom. And that's I underscore support underscore girls on Twitter. And we're also on Facebook that I cannot imagine your audience is on Facebook at support the girls and women and on TikTok where we can hit the woe and do the sneeze um, with all the bras and tampons. Um, and so that's where we are. If anybody is curious about the day job, that's accessibilitypartners.com and you can find more there. I love that you're saying your company is a day job because it's a, you're an entrepreneur. So it's, it's kind of funny. I've never heard of an entrepreneur say that, but I like it. It, it brings in a sense of, uh, of relatability to the non-entrepreneurs out there. Dana, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. And for your incredible work, uh, I will link everywhere that most of you can find out and follow more about I Support the Girls as well as get involved. Perhaps there's an opportunity to open your own chapter, uh, whatnot, and I'll link that all below too. And if you're in need of any of the product that Dana suggested, that is likely available on her website as well for all of you amazing young women and men, but I guess mostly women out there to check out. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I hope anyone listening who has been thinking about starting a nonprofit is now truly inspired to go ahead and start one. And I can't wait to talk to many more of you who are starting and embarking on your own entrepreneurial journeys. So that's it for episode 112. And I will see you guys next week on This Is Life Unfiltered. Bye. Bye.